G'day, everyone, and welcome back to the Ads and Dunks podcast, exclusively brought to you by the Oz American Aces. Uh, obviously, your host here, Josh, joined by Adam, my best mate online. How you going, mate? Good, mate. It's um, I feel like we're nailing these introductions, and we're the very variation in me doing one, you doing one is um, going nicely, which is good. Yeah, it is good. I quite enjoy it actually. It's actually nice to you know take the reins for once off you, mate. You normally uh, <laughs> lead the charge with that. Obviously, your name's first on the our title of the podcast, so you normally do that kind of stuff, don't you? Yeah, well, I was the one who actually suggested maybe you do one off the top rather than it just be me every week. And it's good to uh, know that Tommy listened and Brado is listening. So, um, yeah, I feel like, as I said, the variation's been good. Nah, it's good, mate. But, yeah, this is our ninth episode now. Um, but we've got plenty to talk about this week. Obviously, you were uh, on the sidelines, uh, unfortunately, with the with the hammy. But uh, we'll get stuck into the footy stuff first. Do you want to talk about um, your experience and how you felt this week? Obviously, um, round nine and, you know, nine rounds in now. So, obviously, it's, uh, you know, things are starting to take place and I feel like the uh, the teams that are, you know, obviously going well and um, starting to separate themselves from those that may not be going so well. Yeah, we're um, definitely, I uh, feel like we're playing a, a much more consistent brand. Um, you know, it's funny because we leave, you're never satisfied and you always leave a bit out there. We feel like we left a bit out there, especially on the offensive side of the footy, but, you know, we're, we're just defending extremely well. Um, you know, we we knew that it was going to be an intense game. Carlton have been, you know, copping a bit of pressure uh, down here in Melbourne. I'm not sure what it's been like up there in Queensland. You probably don't get too much of the footy news, but, um, you know, Carlton have, yeah, they've definitely been right on the microscope. And, um, you know, they were going to bring the intent and um, regardless of, you know, where the the ebbs and flows of the game were going, that we knew there was going to be momentum shifts and, um, I know you obviously wouldn't have been able to watch the game because you were playing yourself and um, I had one eye on that game and obviously one eye on um, on my game. But, um, you know, when they were, when they came real late, um, <laughs> there was a little bit of worry there because, you know, the worst thing is, you know, me sitting in the sidelines and watching, it's so hard to watch. You know, I just pace up and forth or you know, I'm yelling at the, at the ground or wherever I am watching and um, just kind of feel helpless. But, you know, when they hit the lead, I think Kerno kicked the goal um, with about seven minutes to go after we'd been in front for the majority of the game. And as I touched on momentum shifts throughout the game, um, I still had full confidence that, um, you know, with the maturity that we've shown in the last few weeks and, and the group that we have, that we were still going to get it done. And, um, you know, and I think that was, was clearly um, – there was clearly evidence in that within that last seven minutes that the maturity really stood up. Um, I think around the ball, we, we really, um, I guess, got the job done, but um, we weren't worried about, I guess, you know, saving the game or, um, you know, trying to go in our shell and, and reserve ourselves in a way, which I think historically we've done that quite a bit. Um, we're able to still take the game on. Um, I think we kicked four goals in the last seven minutes of the game and, um, you know, the, the scoreboard looks a lot different than what the game actually says where we were won by, I think, 20-odd points. Um, it definitely didn't feel like that towards the end, but the fact that we're able to mature um, and yeah, pull out a mature win. I guess, yeah, I guess with a, a game where there was so much riding for Definitely Carlton because obviously they want to get the pressure off them, um, but in our own you know season we want to keep building momentum. And um, as you just touched on, you know, start to separate ourselves. You know, the top five, six, seven teams start to separate themselves from the rest of the competition. So. In terms of that, extremely happy. Um, super proud of the boys. There were some moments where, you know, it wasn't just, you know, you think about the Bulldogs, again, historically, 
you know, when the games are on the line, you think about the same guys probably stand up in in Bont and um, Naughty and you know Jackson McRae, Tom Libertore. Yes, they all had great games, but I felt felt like Artie Jones really had his moments where he stood up. His pressure was first class. Kicked the clutch goal right at the end of the game, and um, Cody Waitman was was um, you know put around the footy because obviously I didn't play, but he played a bit around the ball and. Um, you know, brought some strength and in those moments where we needed someone to stand up, he was another one that stood up. So if you look at it from that point of view, extremely proud of the guys and um, to be at a quality opposition, um, very pleased. So um, really looking forward now to this week um, against another really good opposition who, you know, team, the, the, you know, the commentators and the talk around Adelaide, that's obviously who we're playing is, you know, they're right up there as one of the premiership contenders and um, the way they're playing is as good as anybody. So um as we touch on every week, there's no no easy games week in, week out. So, you know, we, we love the win on the weekend, but now we look forward to a great game against Adelaide in our home away from home, Ballarat. How good's that? Uh, speaking of uh, Artie Jones, tell us, you know, he's a bit of a fan favourite of ours. We love him. Uh, obviously, have done some stuff with him in the past and uh, first year, last year, but he's finally got his opportunity that, you know, he was always crying out for last year, I felt, uh, obviously being at the doggies and with, their, with yourself there, um, I reckon we had a really good relationship with him. How's he going? Uh, he's obviously loving life. He goes on record to say that he loves every moment, loves running out, pulling the jumper, and and he loves the crowd noise and stuff like that. How do you think he's he's really been over his first few games? Yeah, well, it's funny because we talk about, obviously, one of your teammates, Charlie Cameron. Um, all right, what was his nickname? I need to remember. Chuck? Was it Chuck? Chuck. Yes, Chuck. I got it. So, yeah, we obviously talk about the energy that Chuck brings and the excitement that he always brings regardless of winning or losing. Artie's obviously the same, um, which sometimes can be annoying because when there hasn't been a good win or, <laughs> I mean, a, a good game um, and he comes in bouncing off the wall, it's like, mate, this is uh, – but I guess it's really good. But, um, yeah, I, I feel like as you touched on the fact that he was able to get opportunity but then he's been able to keep – building week in, week out. And I genuinely believe it's off the back of his pressure and, and the defensive want and attitude that he brings. And, um, you know, when I spoke to him after the game on the weekend, I gave him a big hug and told him how proud I was. But I told him that, you know, the reason why you were so good for us is because you brought the pressure. And, you know, he said to me at halftime, he wasn't happy how he was going. And um, his mindset when he came out of at a halftime was, you know, if I'm not going to get the ball, I'm not going to have the impact. I'm not, I'm not going to let my opponent or my halfbacks get it. Because obviously Carlton have real damaging halfbacks in Saad and when Doherty's down there and Newman. So, um, yeah, as I said, you probably didn't watch the game, but it was clearly evident that, you know, he had that intent and that's what really set up our game offensively and his game. So um, I'm extremely proud of him. I love that we're, we're able to um, add Artie Jones into our, into our team and, um, you know, add that extra dynamic up forward because he brings that energy and um, it's something that he's thoroughly um, deserved and worked for. So, Expect to, uh, you know, Bulldogs fans out there and fans in general, expect to see him, um, you know, lighting up week in, week out for a long, long time in the Bulldogs colours. Yeah, it's very exciting. He's a he's a great young man too. So that's even better when you get good people playing some good footy, um, which is great. Yeah, you're spot on, mate. What about um, what about yourself? You, uh, as I said, I had one eye on the game um, and, and obviously our game. You, uh, um, you know, you obviously got another – Another win and uh, Essendon took it right up to you at halftime and it's a little bit scrappy in that first half, but you're able to run away with it in the end. And, um, you know, you weren't able to kick a goal, which uh, we're all trying to, <laughs> you know, all of us are trying to see and, and we wanted to see that celebration. Can you do that celebration for us again? It's like this. That's what we want. Yes, we want the A. Um, <laughs> we're hoping to see that, but we didn't. But, um, yeah, how'd you go? How'd you feel out there? 
Yeah, it was good. I mean, probably a little bit of a an average start to, for us. Probably a little bit frustrating, to be honest, the way that we weren't able to um, get on the scoreboard. I think we well, the ball lived in our forward half for most of the time. I think it was 65% of the, the first half the ball was in our forward half. So the Bombers really took it to us um, at the source and – yeah, their contest work was really good. As we touched on last week, I think we, you know, we were expecting them to be good around the around the footy, and and they were. So very honest team, um, contested ball, good centre bounce team as well. I think we managed to keep them uh, only to one point though from centre bounce, which was handy. So uh, it was a bit of a battle around the ball, and then uh, they like to build the ball up, so they like to play a little bit different. Um, you know, really like to use their numbers, and then when, once they decide to go, they go and try and swarm through with a you know, handball chains and things like that. And they got us a few times, but I felt like actually we defended quite well. Like it was a low scoring first half, but we just couldn't get the score on the scoreboard essentially. And uh, they come in at halftime and, you know, the the leaders were all talking about it, just going out there and, and doing our thing and continuing to, to, uh, to sort of push them as much as we could, which we were able to do in that third quarter. I thought our third quarter was probably one of the better quarters we played for the year. Um, obviously, big Joey Danaher kicked six uh, on the night, but he was very important in that third quarter by just you know kicking simple set shots and mm. um, felt like around the ball we got a bit of a lift too. So, yeah, it was a, a number of players in there going through there that really helped us. And then obviously the last quarter played out the way that it did. I did try and sneak forward in the last quarter, mate, to get uh, one on the board, but um, I need I, I probably need to word up a few of the boys to look for me inside fifty because I'm not the the key position forward I was, or at times I was at the doggy. So they don't really look for me anymore, mate. So I've got to, you know, get in their ear a little bit. Other, well, firstly, well done. I, I uh, agree with everything you were saying, but to get a win, again, shows the maturity of um, of your group and the, how well you guys are going, um, which is great to see. Um, are the boys aware that you haven't kicked the goal yet? Yeah, they are. Yeah, it's definitely common around the footy club, uh, even – Jed, Jed Adcock, one of our coaches, is uh, all over it. Even today at training, we were, we were having shots and he's like, and here he is for his first first uh, <laughs> goal in footy for the Lions and I missed it. <laughs> Did you – have you had it like – so you said you snuck down forward, obviously, in the last quarter. Was there an opportunity at all where you thought, here we go, I'm quick handball at the pack here or Mark, but no, you're just not finding it? Nah, so there was one – there was a couple of opportunities, yeah. There was a stoppage where I tried to handball it to – Link McCarthy through the stoppage, so I sort of came through and tried to handball it to him. So I'm just, I'm just playing that. You know, I'm not looking to kick a goal myself. I'm looking to give him off, mate, as I always give to you. Back in the day, <laughs> you know, coming out of centre bounce, I'd, I'd give it to you. Otherwise, you'd spray me. But um, <laughs> nah, oh, there was a few opportunities where I had a, like a, a chance. I think Zach Bailey should have handballed one to me. He played for a free kick and uh, didn't get it. So. He, I got into him for that, but there's there's definitely moments where he can get down there and um, potentially take a mark or win a contest and kick a goal. I just it's just it's different. It is very different compared to you know the doggies and how we played at the dogs. I think when when we were playing there, you know, you get time to sort of get into the forward line, whereas at the Lions, it's it's uh, it's in there and it's either going through the goals or points or coming coming back out. So. It happens pretty quickly, and I'm still adjusting to that game style, which is obviously I'm thoroughly enjoying that at the time. Yeah, well, of course, obviously playing good footy. No doubt uh, know that it would be in the back of your mind when you do kick that goal, that A is coming up straight away. And right now, it does not <laughs> matter whether we're winning, whether you're winning or losing, you're up by 10 goals or down by 10 goals, you need to chuck up that A to make sure that yeah, yeah, uh, everyone out there listens to our potty, which we've got a lot of good fans. 
they will, they will be expecting to see that. Yeah, nah, I can tell you, man. I'll definitely do it for sure. Good man. What about um last week? And we commonly talk about, you know, as I said, Chuck, one of your teammates. But we talk about the um the forwards and you know how good we how good forwards are we have in this um competition and. You know, we mentioned Jeremy Cameron and Charlie Curnow and um, obviously, as I said, your teammate. I feel like we jinxed them because uh, Cameron's kicked zero, Jez's kicked one goal and Curnow kicked two goals, three. Yeah, well, potentially. I want to I want to talk about, I want to firstly just go to the Carlton boys, like obviously Mackay and Curnow and how all the news is around them not kicking straight. One mm. question I've got for you is what do you think, so as say you're, you're a Carlton fan and all the Carlton fans are obviously getting stuck right into their footy club because they're not performing, you know, up to expectation that the fans might have for them. But they're getting into the guys that are, you know, they're goal kickers. So like someone like Harry Mackay, for example, would be, he, like we all, we all, we've all been through it. Like if I, you know, you go through a set shot and if you're not kicking well at the time, it's in your mind. Like it's, but if your own fans are actually but, you know, getting into you for it, I feel like it's worse. Like, do you reckon mm. the team's fans should be trying to help him rather than get into him? Because then if for him, it'll be easier. Well, yeah, obviously, I feel like that's a def- that's a definite. Um, and I feel like because there's so much expectation on on obviously Carlton and, and the group that they have, and you look on paper, they've got a good as team as anybody out there. The fact that they're obviously not winning at the moment um, it's so easy to blame, you know, Mackay and Kerno and these guys that aren't kicking their goals. So yeah, to simply answer your question, I yeah, I think it'd be much easier because when you've got, you know, two of the best forwards in the comp, two common medalists, it's not like they're not getting opportunities. And especially Mackay, he gets his opportunities. And you know, mm. you know, you would know what it's like. Obviously, not with kicking goals, but more so, um, I guess, being midfielders, getting your hands on the footy. When you're in that moment where the flow moment. I always hear, you know, when I've had um, spoken with psychologists in the past, there's like a flow moment when everything's just flowing freely. You know, the ball seems to always come to you. You're in the right spots all the time. I could only imagine it's like that with goal kicking. And, you know, when you yeah. when you talk about Mackay in this instance, you know, if his fans are getting around him to, you know, kick a goal and kick a goal early, you know the confidence that it's going to bring him. So when he gets his next opportunity, he's probably, you know, going to have that confidence that, oh, I'm going to kick this and I'll kick the next one, I'm going to kick next one. Because if he does, mate, they're probably going to win the game. And and as, as I said, it's not like he's not getting his opportunities. He's getting his opportunities. Mm. He's a great forward, great hands, one of the best hands in the competition, works his absolute ass off. Um, so I feel for him at the moment because there's been a bit of slack, um, you know, towards him surrounding that. But I just hope that his teammates and everyone's getting around him because as, as we've said, he's one of the best forwards in the competition. And, and matter of fact, when we did that, um, would you rather you actually chose him and Kerno over over Toby and Jezza and, and that's how highly we regard him. So yeah, I guess to answer your question, I, I would think the fans would probably want to get around him more so than what they are. Yeah, I think they should definitely be getting around him because, you know, everyone goes through these form slumps or, you know, the yips, some would call mm. it, like in front mm. of goals. And um yeah, I, I just think it if they actually were a bit nicer towards him, it wouldn't mm. affect him as much. So the mm. the Carlton fans out there should be potentially, you know, trying to get around him, not not yeah. actually getting into him. No, I, I think it's because of the manner in the way that he's missing. I mean, with the the snap around the the body, but like it's he kicked him know, last year. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. He's proven that he's been able to do it. So yeah, you know, 
don't try and question why he's doing it. Don't question what he does. I mean, I always bring up Matt Suckling and Grian Myers, guys that kick, that have a unique kick and kick across their body. If you're teaching a kid this day and age, you're going to teach them the basic fundamentals on, on how to kick a basic drop punt with all the fundamentals that we were taught, you know, walk in straight, ball drop straight, leg straight, kick through it. But for me, it's always about connection and how you're connecting on the footy. Matt Suckling, Grian Myers, you're not going to teach them to kick straight. You know, you remember you you played with suckers, mate. You seen how he kicked. Mm. He kicked, whoa, leg was going that way, and the ball would end up going that way. Yeah, Makai, that's how he kicks his set shots. So you know, I I I, I understand what you're saying. I feel for him because it worked for him last year, and um, it's in the manner and the way that he's missing. I feel like that's probably why he's copping the slack. But you know, as you know, one good week, one good performance, that um, you know, your your doubters and your haters jump off you. So. You know, yep. you, you watch these guys and you see what they go through and being in the industry ourselves, we hope that he has a good performance and comes out and just shuts them out because yeah, it's so unfair sometimes. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, moving on to you, mate. You obviously touched on watching the game on the weekend, but, you know, you sort of talked about being a little edgy and, and um, walking up and down where you were Absolutely. sitting and stuff like that. But how's the how is the hammy going? Give us a bit of a... A uh, you know progress update. How's it feeling? I feel good. I actually feel really good. So um, you know it was it was obviously a two to three weeker. Um, you know I'll be pushing to hopefully play next weekend. I mean if it was my way, I'd try and play this weekend. Um, I'm old <laughs> enough and experienced enough and um, to know if I could and can't. But obviously the the important picture and the big picture is obviously long term and and um, you know not re injuring. So. I feel really good. I had a really good session today. Um, you know, with hamstring injuries, the key, you know, always the key is to be able to obviously not feel it and not have any awareness with running. Um, but obviously hamstrings are, you know, closely related with um, speed injuries and, and you know, high-intensity injuries. And so that kind of answers your question. What I probably need to tick off um, to feel 100% confident is speed and and um, I think I'm doing that later this week and I'm very confident that I'll be able to tick that off. So then it's just about probably getting the, the run in the legs on the weekend from what I missed um, in, in the, you know, well, what will end up being probably two games. So right now I feel like I'm in a really good position to be able to hopefully play next weekend. But obviously there's obviously talk with, with Bevo and, and the coaches and, um, and, the, and the medical staff most importantly to see what's the most important thing. But in terms of how I'm feeling, I'm feeling really, really good. And you know, if it was a finals, if we we're playing finals, I'd be pushing to play this week. So, um, yeah, I feel really good. And, um, you know, and just touching on that, we, um, you know, we, we were able to obviously talk about last week, just the mental side of, you know, getting injured and, um, you know, my process and what I do and, you know, how we are as athletes and the feedback that we've got and definitely that I've got from people listening to our potty. Um, and you know, the way we were able to talk pretty open about it, um, was really good. So I want to thank, you know, all the, all our listeners, listeners out there and people that sent in some really nice things because, um, you know, I feel like they understand a lot more now what the person goes through. And in, in this case, obviously mm. me with injuries and, and hamstrings. So I appreciate that. But yeah, I'm feeling really good. That's good, mate. Have you, uh, we're obviously both winners again this week. Uh, have you actually thought about what the future might look like if we were to <laughs> line up on each other in a, in a like a final potentially later in the year. Yeah, I tried to do a um. They do this. You can do this Mate, AFL. Pre- I did. <laughs> you can do this AFL predictor thing where you like predict the ladder. So you, you predict each game, and I kind of manipulated it a bit to where we played each other and how it would work. And yeah, I actually um, 
I I uh, I predicted us versus obviously you boys. Um, and yeah, it would be pretty funny, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, would you be nervous? Oh yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, mate. I'd want to um. You know, obviously, talking about never winning a flag, and it'd be bittersweet because uh, obviously, my best mate would be on the other team winning it. Um, so I'd yeah. be kind of happy for you, but yeah, it would be crazy. I mean, that is obviously so far in the future, and um, hopefully, it comes to fruition because it'd be really cool. But I did think about, um, say, you were playing in a grand final, and I wasn't. I wouldn't from from a you know, well, not a selfish point of view, but I just wouldn't want to be versing now because I'd rather be there supporting you. I'd rather yeah. be in the, you know, in the, in the, you know, I envisioned you winning the flag and me being in the change room, getting around you and Lockie Neal and all the Brisbane boys <laughs> just being really pumped. <laughs> just being really pumped for you. But um, nah, it would be pretty crazy. It would be. It'd be, yeah, something that I haven't really thought about too much because you, well, we sort of live in the moment, all of us um, players, but yeah, just, uh, it's a random one to think of, you know, if we keep winning. And I saw something today on the social media. It was like like a predicted finals first round. It's just so so bizarre to mm. think about right now, in, you know, just after round nine. And, um, yeah, I feel like it's a – but it is obviously a dream of ours to obviously play finals and play in a grand final and win grand finals. So um, looking forward to potentially what the future holds, mate. Mm. Well, I feel like – while you're talking about that, I feel like, um, you know, and obviously we're this is we're well and truly into our footy talk. Collingwood and probably Melbourne are the two standouts at the moment. I mean, Collingwood are, yeah, you know, they're a scary proposition to play at the MCG. I know I messaged you, I called you on Sunday when we were debriefing just the weekend and um, mentioned mm-hmm. about how good they are at home and how intimidating that would be in front of the Collingwood fans, especially how they're going. So, you know, they're they're travelling really well. They are. They've been very impressive, and as you touched on Melbourne as well, Melbourne have, and they're both they're both teams that have played good teams already too. Like they haven't um, beaten you know average teams. I feel like they've beaten mm. some good teams. And um, you said, didn't you say it's Collingwood Carlton this week, and then yeah, next week's the Queen's birthday. Is th- that right? I think it is. Yes, I think it is. I was just checking my date. I think it's around the first week of June. So it might be the week after. Might be the week after that, but yeah, that'll be yeah. Whew, that'll be as juicy a contest that we've had all year. There's a few good games coming up um, over the next few weeks too, so looking forward to obviously watching those and playing ourselves and you getting back, mate. Looking forward to that too. Yeah, well, as I said, I'll be doing everything I can to get back, and and I just said if it was the finals, mate, I'll be pushing to play this week. But um, I'm feeling really good. Did you did you see the um the Crows game this week? Oh, Jesus. yeah. So. The- Oh. There must be something in the water over there at the moment. <laughs> South Australians, they're, they're killing it, don't they? Oh, mate. I've I seen this thing about um, a showdown final. Imagine, you're talking about predictions. You yeah. know, imagine imagine a showdown final, you know, no matter where they are. It'd be unbelievable. And they're both playing, you know, an exciting brand of footy. That's probably the most, um, you know, that's probably the most exciting thing about it is, you know, you watch, you, you look forward to watching Adelaide play. You look forward to watching Port Adelaide play mm. and, We've got the Crows this week and um, just touched on before how, you know, they're, I've, I've, I've seen people come out and say that they think they're going to finish top four and, and they're playing, you know, finals like football brand of footy, which they are. Um, mm. You know, I've seen this thing about – I've seen someone today mention Jordan Dawson and, and Isaac Rankin about how they've, you know, had a massive um, significance in the way that Adelaide have kind of changed the way they're playing and, um, you know, in a real positive way. And, and I couldn't agree more. I mean – 
Jordan Dawson, you know, no, you know, we don't really hear much about him from afar. And, you know, initially he was in Sydney, so you don't really hear much about the interstate players here in Melbourne. And then when he moved to Adelaide, it was just, you know, oh, yeah, okay, Jordan Dawson's gone to Adelaide. But, whoa, to me, to me, he legit is the most underrated player in the competition. And he, he wins contested footy as well as anybody. He uses the ball, you know, top five in the competition for me. He's composed. Um, it's, it, it is clearly evident to me why he is um, their captain and, and the way that he can, you know, slow a game down or when he gets the ball, be real composed with it and, and relax. And then you get Rankin on the other hand who, you know, who's the excitement machine, you know, Eddie Betts retires or goes to Carlton retires and it's like, oh, okay, well, who's going to be like Eddie Betts in Adelaide? Oh, you've got one in Rankin who just lights games yep. up and, and then obviously the players off the back of that. So, um, you know, hopefully they don't bring that this week because obviously we're playing them. But yeah, the, the you know, the, the South Australian teams are playing some good footy. I'll tell you one that I've been enjoying watching too is um, who actually, I think he kicked the winning goal against us last year in Ballarat. They won by one point was his Tex Walker. Tex Walker. Mm. He's been flying, mate. Big Texan. Mm. There's something about, there's something, there's something in the key forwards getting better as they're getting older. Like Tom yeah. Hawkins is another one. And, and there was a, there was, um, I think someone was saying, Damien Barrett might have been saying that he's in the works of signing another contract. There you go. <laughs> he's flo- like Jeremy Cameron is not that he's old. He's obviously my age, thirty, but he's getting better. Like, it's something in the forwards. Yeah. Jack Rewalt still going around and he's still playing good footy. Like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Tex big text, mate. I mean, big text. I saw him like snap one and off one step, forty meters out in front, like it was a. Stoppage situation, I'm fairly sure, or a contest, and he just picked it up, snapped it from 45 mm. out, and it's gone straight through. I'm like, oh, well, he's flying. <laughs> Texas, Texas, someone. I'm, I'm thinking off the top of my head here, but I think about big guys who are good on both feet, and I feel like Texas right up there is one of the best big guys yep. I've seen on his left foot. He's man, his left foot's better than his right sometimes. Like it's crazy. Mm. One thing you got to be aware of, I reckon, is their first quarters. Apparently, they are the best. First quarter team in the competition, so yeah, come I feel to like think if of you're it, going to cool, if you go into quarter time uh, level or near near enough to being level, then you should have some confidence because I feel like they've they, they dominated the Saints on the weekend. I think it was mm. forty to six or something like that off the top of my head, but it's one thing to look out for, mate. Yeah, or well, hopefully. Hopefully, um, hopefully they don't like playing in cold weather because um, I know they played there last <laughs> week, but I know I think this week it's forecast to be something like eleven degrees and rain, and so hopefully, really? that, uh, yeah, I think it's something ridiculous like that. But um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting contest because uh, they're right up about, and we're playing some good footy too. Are you uh, are you going up to watch in the freezing cold? Uh, look, I uh, not no, sure. We we've actually got a <laughs> session, so. Because our okay. VFL boys aren't playing, so we've got a big, um, you know, we'll have a big footy session and we'll all get together and watch the game. So, uh, okay. extremely excited about it. But I, I did want to mention, um, you know, obviously talking about the SA teams and, and Port Adelaide's the other side. Um, I want to mention uh, Horn Francis and the way that last week there was such a build up to, you know, him obviously playing North Melbourne and, um, you know, the I could only imagine how he would have been feeling because deep down he could externally show that uh, it might not be affecting him that much. But internally, I, you know, I'd be thinking that he probably would have been quietly, um, you know, real nervous and super anxious about it. I, I just want to give him a massive thumbs up and a tick and well done. Like he took it all in his stride, played good footy, mm. 
um, was composed as ever. And um, he's having an unreal year. Uh, again, talk about an underrated player, which I don't think he's underrated because there's been such a microscope on him for his whole career. I just feel like he's playing some really good footy for a second-year player and, and he has all the tools to be you know, a, a gun, a star of the competition. So I just want to give him a big kudos from uh, from us here because I feel like he uh, he really took it in his stride on the weekend against the next team. Yeah, did they? They didn't really. Uh, you talked about the build up. They didn't really get into him much, did they? They did. They did a little bit. I mean, he got tackled early, and they got into him a little bit. But um, yeah, I felt like he just kind of took it in his, you know, whatever. Stride. When, yeah, wh- whether it was coming or not, you could just sense that he was ready. And you know, from a stats point of view, I don't think it was his best game. But watching him play, you know, I mean, I've played against obviously Collingwood and Giants when I moved, and. I was extra nervous for those games, two different unique experiences that I had. But every time I got the ball, I thought, you know, I was going to get crunched or here or whatnot. So I was real nervous. And, um, you know, every time he got the footy, it didn't look like that. So, yeah, I um, I feel like he took it in his stride and um, very happy for him. But, um, yes, feel, I feel like he's having a good year. What about um, first nine rounds? Did you see that uh, there's a there's a AFL record for the most attended um, crowd. And I think the numbers is um, 3,047,247 fans have attended the first nine rounds, which is uh, is a record. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? How, how far above is it compared to the second one? I don't know. Well, Tommy the Gun over here, our, uh, our um, producer who does his best work, says 33,275 more than the previous record, which is 2019. Oh, yeah. There you go. It's pretty. Uh, it's pretty crazy. I saw um, some of the. Oh, I was like a photo of the average crowds for this year, and it had every team ranked. Mate, Collingwood are getting like eighty oh. plus thousand to on average to every game. Like that's incredible. It, well, mate, it it would have been you know because obviously they're flying Richmond in two eighteen nineteen seventeen. They would have been the exact same eighty eighty thousand plus. Yeah. Um. It's incredible watching their games and, you know, that's why it's intimidating if you were to play them at the G because, you know, there's going to be a big magpie army. Um, but doesn't it make you appreciate, you know, when you do get those, I guess, big games where you play in front of a big crowd, it just makes you appreciate yeah. a lot more, firstly, because we're doing it. But secondly, we had it taken away from us for two years. And, you know, I've yeah. seen, I seen this... Um, this highlight reel on the AFL website, oh, on the AFL Instagram page, it was just a throwback game. I don't know which game it was, but it was during the 2020 season when we were playing with no crowds and 21, obviously, but the start. And it just looked so weird. And it made me just think back to like how lucky we are to be able to now go back to the way we were. And, you know, maybe it's because I'm getting a bit older and, you know, it's more sentimental to me, but playing in front of these big crowds, I just will never take that for granted when we get the opportunity. Mm, no, definitely not. You can think back to those days and how bare it felt. And you just, you don't, I don't think players could get that extra edge, to be honest. Like when we were playing with no crowds, like you don't get that adrenaline rush and everything that the crowds bring. Even playing up here in front of a, a full gab has been awesome. Like, you know what it's like playing up here when it's really noisy. Like it's, oh, yeah. it's just a, it's an incredible feeling, I suppose. We're, we're very lucky to, uh, to be able to run out and play in front of such passionate supporters and, and, uh, you know, those big loud noises too. So it does help us. So keep doing it. Yeah, we, we have seen how, um, you know, when we have international stars come out and, you know, we at, um, at my 2019 at the Pies, my last game of the year, that year we played the Bombers, 
Um, and it was, you know, I think maybe seventy thousand. It was when when the Boomers played that game out at um out at Eddie at Marvel, Marvel. at Marvel Stadium. Yeah, and the uh, Americans are out here. The the Dream Team, or you know, obviously the Dream Team is what they call themselves. And you know, Donovan Mitchell, Brooke Lopez, um, uh, Miles Turner, a couple of these guys, they came out and actually watched our game, and they came on the sideline. And Mason Cox wasn't playing at the time, so he was kind of walking them through it and. You know, these guys are stars in the NBA and play in front of big home crowds. You can only imagine what it's like in a playoff game, you know, but they were yeah. telling Coxie that it was the you know, most unbelievable experience of their life being at a, a round 23 game, Collingwood versus Essendon in front of 80,000 people in a stadium like the MCG. So it shows the enormity of unbelievable. Um, of the crowds and how lucky we are obviously playing this sport. Yeah, for but, sure. So, well, well for speaking sure. of big crowds, speaking of big crowds is – um. There's obviously a couple of big games, you know. We'll we'll talk about the dream time at the G and the Collingwood Carlton game, but the the Q clash, mate. The the Q clash, yeah. your first Q clash. <laughs> it's going to be good. We uh, had a bit of a look at them today. Uh, might as well touch on it now while we're um, instead of talking about it later. But obviously, uh, Sir Doug Nichols round two, so um, very important for our Indigenous brother, brothers and sisters and celebrating them and. Um, we get to wear the the jumpers this week, which are, have come up very well. I looked at yours, yours too, and um, yeah, it's a very special week or weeks. I think it's this week and next week we're wearing ours. So looking forward to obviously doing that and representing. Um, yeah, as I touched on our indigenous players and and people. So uh, excited, mate! Yeah, very keen to get out there and play against the Suns. They've obviously been going very well. Um, had a massive win over West Coast uh, last week, and then have. I think they, they came really close to Melbourne and then three wins prior to that as well. So in form and, and going really well and another team, you know, led by, I feel like Matty Rao has really led their midfield and mm, um, mm. he's been doing a lot of good things in there and um, complimented on the outside by a lot of other guys as well. So we're going to have to be at our very best um, again, as we always talk about, because um, they're in really good form and looking forward to the challenge because it is my first Q clash and, uh, yeah, see, I, I don't really know if there's a rivalry, to be honest. Like, I feel like there is a little bit, but until you experience the game, mm. like, it's sort of like when you came to the Dogs, like you'd never experienced that Giants-Bulldogs rivalry. Mm. But mm. Um, we'll see how we go on the weekend, mate, and see what happens uh, out there and see if it's pretty fiery or not. Did you get anyone to, because you obviously mentioned Sir Doug Nichols' round, which is, um, I'm shattered that I'm missing it because it's one of my favourite rounds to be a part of. Did you get anyone to um, do a drawing or anything on your on your boots this time around? No, I haven't. I haven't uh, managed to do that because I don't have as um, the connections up here, mate. I should ask maybe Chuck to do it. Mm. I'm not sure if he's doing his, but there hasn't really been much talk about it. But the jumpers, mate, have come up incredibly well, incredibly well. So looking forward to. I might be able to sneak it in. Actually, what do we got? Three or four days before we run out there. <laughs> well, so Artie, I might try and get it. When Artie, Artie did ours last year, and we were we were on him for oh, like yeah. four weeks, and then he did it the night before the game. <laughs> true, true. Maybe I should send it down to Artie and get him to do it for me. <laughs> yeah, you should, you should. But no, it'd be a good game. I feel like, um, well, I, I feel like it's probably the probably the biggest Q clash that in terms of where the teams are at and and how well the teams are both traveling. Um, you know, Gold Coast have had some really good wins. And as you said, Matty Rowell's leading their midfield. But, you know, they've got some class across the whole field. Um, yeah. You know, and they're going to want to get up and want to knock off you guys because obviously the, um, you know, being in the same state, I feel like it's probably, you know, the uh, will be the um, most interesting Q clash that we've probably seen to, to date. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be a, 
a massive battle and I think the midfield battle is going to be big. Um, I think they're number one for contested possession, so we're going to have to mm. be at our very best in there. If they're not one, they're two. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be very hot around the source, but looking forward to hopefully packing out the Gabba again, mate, and playing Saturday night and looking forward to the challenge of the – obviously the Gold Coast Suns are going to bring. Yeah, I'll be watching. Or hopefully you win the um, – is it the mar- merit – what's the what's the medal called? There's a medal. There's a the best know. on ground medal. It could be your first of many uh, Q-, Q Clash medals, mate. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. But we'll, <laughs> I mean, wait, we'll wait and I mean, see, mate. We'll wait and see. Well, we did it. We did it. I ignorantly didn't touch on, um, <laughs> you know, the first medal that you you uh, you won as a as a Brisbane Lions player. Um, you want to run us through the medal that you received against Carlton last week or the week before, whenever it was. Yeah, yeah. So we probably should give him a shout out because he gave me a shout out on um, Rob Logs, but Mitch Robinson medal I won against the Blues. He came down the rooms and presented it to me. Post game and uh, yeah, it was a it was a funny experience. He was he was up and about the big fella. Um, it was good. It was good. It was nice it'll to be, obviously be the inaugural winner. Yes, of the it'll Mitch be a Robinson um, medal. It's the first uh, first medal um, of what will be probably plenty, you know, in the rest of your career at the Brisbane Lions. But um, one thing I want to get your thoughts on um, from this game, coincidentally, and a play in particular. <laughs> Um, we've obviously mentioned Matt Rowe, but there's obviously the video videos that are viral of um oh, yeah. of his uh of his little superstition that he does and and being a, a fellow um person that has well used to have a lot of superstitions and understand how it gets you in the right frame of mind. Initially, what were your thoughts when you seen that? Uh to be honest, I didn't really know what I was looking at. I <laughs> I felt like I was a bit I was a bit shocked, but then I was a bit like, Oh, I can understand, you know rally if everyone i think everyone has their own little routine things freaky things they might do but they just don't show them whereas his is obviously out on the ground in the middle of you know a, a footy ground which is obviously big full of cameras and you're not going to be able to hide it. i actually don't know how he's hidden it for mm. however long he's been playing for it's crazy personally i love it i absolutely love it and by the slightest chance that he listens to the ads and dunks podcast well done mate i uh I love that he does it and I love that he's not afraid of it because it clearly gets him mm. – it's a thing that he does, gets him in the right frame of mind and it's working for him because he's an absolute superstar. So um, well done that he actually keeps doing it and does not care about what the uh, attention is saying on him. So well done. Um, I saw uh, I, did, I saw, I saw Scoey. Scoey actually took a video of him last week and posted it on – Oh, I did um, see that, yes. On his story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will Schofield. And, <laughs> uh, and Rowley sort of turned around. He did it. Did he sing? And obviously, as you touched on, good on him for doing it. Um, but he turned around and had a bit of a smirk on his face. It was a pretty funny video that Scully posted on his oh, on his. Socials. Mate, I reckon it, I reckon it'll get to a point where I don't know whether it's the end of this year or next year or years down the track. If he's still doing it, it no one's even going to bat an eye at it. We're just used to it. It'd just be used to it. So um, nah, I just hope he doesn't get sick from it, mate. To be honest, yeah, true that. <laughs> Wait, you know, yeah, true that, true that. Um, I did want to touch on, um, we obviously spoke about our game already, so we don't have to go over our game, but um, we are, Jason Walker, one of our brothers and and a friend of the footy club, he designed our jersey. So he came and presented the jersey to us and, um, you know, it's something that we're extremely proud and all the boys, the whole footy clubs, you know, wearing it when the VFL get an opportunity and, um, you know, our women's team. So well done to Jace Walker who came out and spoke to us today and presented it to us. So um, we're we're extremely excited to wear it and 
as I touched on before, um, shattered that I won't be able to wear it this week or play this week because it's um, one of um, you know one of the most exciting rounds for me yearly. So um, thanks, Jace. Um, another question, another question for you. Um, who is your number one, number one favorite Indigenous player to watch of all time? Or, oh, you know what? You know what? Favorite Indigenous player to watch and play with. Favorite Indigenous player to watch. Jeez, there's a, there's a few of them. I've really looked up to being a Sydney supporter. Um, Adam Goods, he was probably mine. Uh, and then Andrew McLeod closely followed uh, Goodsy because just, uh, I think, yeah, he was one of those players that played through the midfield and just, man, he was a star, Andrew McLeod, mm. I thought. You know, everyone just talks about him still to the day, like being so good and incredible throughout his career. So, they're yeah, probably mine too, mate. And another one I'll throw in there is Cyril Rioli. Just love watching Cyril. And what about played with? Played with? Uh, probably Charlie Cameron. He's mm-hmm. probably one of my favourites that I, I knew, play with. I knew he's, that was going to be the answer. Yeah. yeah, he's just a he's a star, Chuck. But all the other boys too, are, they're all, yeah, incredible skill and talent. But, yeah, love playing alongside them. I feel like they bring the energy both on and off the field, which is awesome. Mm. Um, I like it. I feel like my my answers are the exact same. Andrew McLeod's probably the one that comes to mind straight away. Um, as I was growing up loving footy throughout the early 2000s, that was kind of his peak years. And, yeah, he was, you know, probably the smoothest mover that we've seen out on the footy field. Um, obviously, Buddy Franklin is, is probably another one that I vividly remember. And the fact that we're able to step on the footy field is – you know, and play against Buddy, who is will go down as a Hall of Famer and one of the greatest of all time. And then, as you touched on, um, Cyril Rioli, he's another one that, yeah, he. Uh, I remember the goal he kicked in his first year, where it was against Essendon. I think, I think it. And what been his first year? It was. It was ba- all I remember was Bash Hooley was trying to tackle him, and he just got around Bash and kicked goal here, and it was the best thing I've ever seen. It was just incredible for a first year player. Um, so I agree with you on that. Players I played with, oh, I played with. I've played with so many good, um, so many good brothers, mate. I, um, you know, I love them very much. I, uh, you know, the first one I think of is Curly Hampton. I played with him at um, GWS Giants, and and then he went to Adelaide. And one of the most talented football players I've ever come across, and hardworking, and just a star. Uh, Trav Varco and Daniel Wells, two that ring a bell. That Daniel Wells is. The best I've ever seen in close from any player I've ever played with. In close, you just couldn't tackle him. Um, I wish I could have played with him at his absolute best when he was at North Melbourne because I've heard guys like Jeff Walsh, who was um, obviously the boss of North Melbourne, came to Collingwood. He said that, um, you know, if Daniel Wells had a proper run yearly, you know, he he always, you know, had an injury here or there. He would have won a brown like well, He was that good. And I agree because he was an absolute superstar. And then there's obviously, as we mentioned, Trav Varco, who – um, one of the best big-time players that I've ever played with who would always just be the one that you'd want to pick you know, first for your team week in, week out because he just delivered. Um, and then there's so many others. You know, Nathan Wilson, a star, and uh, so many so many brothers out there that I love playing with. Yeah, no, that's good. And obviously, uh, as we touched on, it's going to be a very important round um, and we're looking forward to obviously running out there. You talked about your jumper. I should probably talk about ours. Um, ours is designed by Desi Headland and Ash McGrath. So, um, talks about them coming from WA and, and there, uh, I suppose, where they, they grew up and then obviously across to the Gabba. So you can see all that uh, within the jumper, but they're coming into the club, I think, on 
captains run this week. So looking forward to hearing from them. And obviously, I haven't met uh, either of them. So looking forward to catching up with them and, and meeting them and then obviously representing their their families and the jumper on, on Saturday night. Yep, two absolute superstars. Um, is there – well, there's a couple of other things before we finish with our footy talk. Um, did you see uh, – the Collingwood um, pregame speech from Bo, Bo McQuarrie, McQuarrie's mum. <laughs> Did you see that? Oh, I saw I saw a snippet. but I didn't watch it though. I just saw a little thing. <laughs> Mate. It's funny. If you weren't if you weren't G'd up, ready to rock and roll after that, I don't know what would have G'd up. That was incredible. And the fact that she had enough confidence to get out there and do that to her, do that to the um to the boys, well done. Yeah, I, I saw I saw their whole build up like um, they did it pretty well. They got them all in the song at the end. I think Steele yelled out to them all and said, get in. And uh, yeah, it's obviously easier when a lot of the mums are from the same state. I don't know if they flew mm. many in, but yeah, it looked pretty cool at the end of the game when they sung the song together. How would how would, you, how would your mum go doing something like that, do you reckon? <laughs> Darlene, how would Darlene go? <laughs> Terrible, mate. Terrible. <laughs> she would... Uh... She would just be shaking from from her feet all the way up to her head. She would absolutely hate it. Maybe if she had a couple couple beers in her, she'd probably um, relax a little bit. But um, nah, she would absolutely <laughs> hate that. What about Lise? I feel like Lisa wouldn't mind it. Lise probably wouldn't mind it, mate. She was uh, all over the roaming Brian a couple of weeks ago. So yes, a couple of champagnes was. and <laughs> a couple of champagnes and she'd be all right. That's for sure. Yeah, no, I feel like uh, I feel like my mum would not at all. Even even I seen um, you mentioned Collingwood. And the way that they, you know, did the whole Mother's Day thing, I loved that. Even when they ran out, um, and seeing teams, I think um, oh, there was another team that ran out and, and gave Sydney. There you go. That gave flowers, and um, I felt like it was really cool. And um, you know, one for the future if we do play on Mother's Day. Yeah, we gave flowers out post our game too, and it was funny. My uh, my cousin was in the crowd, and um, she has kids, obviously. So I gave her uh, the flowers for Mother's Day, which was pretty pretty cute. Oh, that's well done, mate. I um, you're you're a caring. You all, you always were one. You know, when I played with you, obviously, you always were one to get around absolutely everyone. You would run to the furthest point of the crowd after we won a game, and literally work your whole way down to where the race was. And I used to just follow you because I was like, "Oh, you're doing it. I'll just follow you." <laughs> yeah, well, might as well. Like guys don't run all the way around. Imagine the the supporters that have come all the way to watch us play. So might as well get around it, mate. It's worth it. No, true. No, it's uh, well done. It's, it's it's one of the beautiful things about you, mate. Now, moving on. Um, next segment is a, 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 a good one. I feel like we've been searching for a few sponsors uh, for the podcast, so we need to talk about getting some sponsors, mate. Um, we are definitely on the hunt, so if anyone out there wants to sponsor the Ads and Dunks podcast, um, definitely feel free to reach out. Obviously, contact us at Oz American Aces. Tommy will... Um, He's our main man when it comes to the the sponsors and things like that. So we'd be uh, excited to work with anyone, wouldn't we, Adzi? Oh, mate, is it a coincidence that I'm drinking from a Rebel bottle? Even you know, get Rebel <laughs> to sponsor us, whatever it may be. I don't, uh, we don't, um, we don't care. We are, as as you said, mate, we're looking for some sponsors. So, um, you know, let send send the emails through. Send the emails through. Yeah, we're, we're like we're plenty to do with it too. Like a lot of content stuff that we're looking to do in the in the future, and we've obviously uh, had a bit of a play around with it last year. And um, yeah, exciting things obviously coming ahead too. So looking forward to potentially working with um, one, two, three, however many sponsors uh, like to come our way. So hit us up if you've got some interest, and we look forward to 
to chatting to you. But we'll move on now. Uh, NBA, let's. It's starting to get to the pointy end. Yes, it is. Um, my prediction is still live uh, in yep. the Denver Nuggets. So, yep. What are your thoughts on the the latest games? Oh, well, everything I seem to be saying the opposite happens. So, I just I've got no idea, mate. I um maybe I should ask you because I just got no idea. I uh, I thought Golden State were going to come. I thought they mashed up better against LA. Um, and I'm still adamant they do match up better against LA. They just played poorly. Clay Thompson didn't play well. Um, you know, I thought yeah. Phoenix were going to come back and beat Denver, but they just didn't play well. And you know, I have no idea. You know, the the Philly and the Boston series that one was probably the most um, up in the air series. And um, you know, I did think Boston were going to win in the end, and they did, um, which was good. It was an unbelievable game by Jason Tatum to rock up in Game Six and. Yeah. Um, Seven. Or, yeah, game seven, sorry, and play the way that he played. Both game six and seven was unbelievable. Um, you know, the fact that he was zero he was zero from 14 around the three-quarter time in game six and ended up dominating in the last quarter was was just what absolute stars are made of. And did you see after the game, they were interviewing him and he said, oh, it was pretty much, you know, what makes you, you know, have the ability to do that, blah, 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 or the mindset. And he said, humbly, I'm the best in the world. How can you say you're the best in the world humbly? Yeah, he's just gone and said, yeah, humbly, I, I'm one of the best in the world. So uh, that's just how it rolls. Pretty cool. Pretty cool that he's got the confidence to say that. But he is. I mean, game seven, he turns it on with 51. Like, mm. unbelievable. I, th- I honestly thought, I think it was game five where Philly won and they went up 3-2. I watched that game and I was like, mate, Boston are gone. Like, they just looked mm. done. Yeah. Tatum and Brown, like they just couldn't, they couldn't get it going, and and then they go and win the next two. But the boys turn it on, and yeah, very impressive. But what are your thoughts on the next series? Do you think Miami get over Boston? Oh, I think everyone is, you know. Well, are you supporting Miami in that series? I'm supporting Miami. Yeah, I think yeah, Miami so are going to win. That's what I mean. I feel like most people are supporting the underdog, and. It's funny we call Miami the underdog when they've knocked out the number one seed and then they've beat the Knicks who finished fourth. Yeah, exactly. So they're not necessarily the underdog. Um, but no, I think I, I do think Boston win. The home, the home court advantage, I think Jason Tatum needed to play well for him to continue his momentum. And the fact that he was able to do that game six and seven, I feel like they just have too much star power with him and Jalen Brown. Um, you know, there's only so much Jimmy Butler can do. And not discrediting Cole Lowry and, and, you know, how important Kevin Love's been on the offensive end. Um, and Bam Adebayo is probably one of the most underrated stars in the league. I just feel like it's just too much star power on Boston and they'll get it done. But if you're listening to this, which we have, you know, it won't happen. Miami will win. I've got no idea about <laughs> basketball. I've got absolutely no idea. I, I don't know anything. Oh, it annoys you so much to say that. It does annoy it? me because I watch it. it so – I watch – Basketball, I watch NBA and the NFL more than anything. It's my two number one, outside of Kim and Georgie, of course, my two number one loves in this world, and I've just got no idea, that, you know. So I, I do think Boston win. Who do you think wins that series? Yeah, I mean, Boston obviously are the team, one of the teams to beat, but I, I feel like I feel like it might go to seven and, and Jimmy Buckets is turning it on. To be honest, like, I just I just feel like yeah. something weird's going to happen in that series. Mm. If you're starting a team yep. right now, who who would you choose between? All right, now this is a hard question because Jason Tatum's clearly younger. Say you were starting a team for one off season, 
So only one yep. season. And you have to choose between Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum. Who would you choose? Uh, oh, probably Jason Tatum. Okay. Mainly mainly because I feel like he's consistent. He's more consistent than what Jimmy is. But, hmm. but yeah, he yeah, he just turns it on in, in playoffs. So, I mean, he gets it done at the pointy end of the year and – Yep, and in big moments, but Tatum, Tatum's shown now that he can stand up in big moments too. So I feel like he's only going to keep growing. Yeah, yeah. I if personally, I would obviously choose Tatum long term, but I'd choose Jimmy Butler, and that's purely for the mm. reason for that reason because you know that come the point in the season, you 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 know build the right team around him, they ain't going to lose. So yeah, yeah. I would, well, um, I think if you if you ask the question to say like say it's a playoff game. You, it's a game seven. You need you need a team to win. Mm. Who are you picking out of those two? You're probably picking Jimmy Butler. No, nah, I agreed. I um, I want to I want to keep touching on this uh, Philly because there's a little bit to dissect here with the Philly team and some of the funny comments that they've said, and it's it's hilarious. Um, did you see? So once the game was over, um, they mm. obviously interviewed their players. Which firstly, is, what's your thoughts on that? Can I know what's your thoughts on? The fact that you have to do an interview regardless of whether you win or lose. I think it's great. I think it's good content. I think, I mean, at the time you'd be filthy because you've just lost. But for the fans, I think it's awesome. I think, I actually reckon they should do that all the time. As in, they do it in the NBA. But like for AFL, it's only the coaches that go to a press conference. Like, Mm. I think there should be like four or five players that go through and and do it like the NBA does. I I reckon it'd be awesome. And and say the straight, you, you know, play the straight back and say the answers where it's just the answers that you don't want to hear, but uh, you say it as an athlete. Yeah, I think, but I think there's still be topical things that pop up for sure. Mm, well, speaking of answers, the reason why I'm saying that is because that's what the AFL and kind of how we're taught to do, which is fair. But did you see after the game? So Joel Embiid's, they've obviously interviewed him and whatnot, and he's come out and said, "Me and James Harden, we can't win this alone." This is that's why basketball is played five on five. We just need everybody to try and keep finding ways to get better. Do you know what? Do you know what? From an outside point of view, you could easily go, "Oh yeah, no, I agree," because Harden and Embiid were obviously their two main offensive weapons and absolute stars throughout the year. So let's talk about the actual playoffs, so. So yeah. games yeah. five, six, and seven, right? Harden had zero points in games five, six, and seven in the last quarter. Zero points. Embiid, <laughs> zero from three in game sevens from the three-point line. He averaged 33 points in the regular season. That dropped to 23 points, which is the largest drop from a regular season to a playoff um, run, if you want to call it, ever. And has come out and said, we need more players outside of me and James, James Harden to step, step up. Firstly, what do you think about that? And secondly, if you were his teammate, what the heck would you be saying? Well, yeah, you said zero um, from three in game sevens. I think that there shows that Embiid is seriously not a game seven player. <laughs> so, I mean, for him to say something like that, like... Yeah, oh, it's and, uh, it's bizarre. Oh. How would you feel? How would you feel if you're one of the teammates? Like, like, oh man, like how? What, this, what yeah, would you say to? It's just that's what I'm talking about. It's just what we grow up in a different. We've grown up, and I love our industry more so than what it's like, obviously, over in the states. But you're just open, and 
you're allowed. It seems like you're allowed to say whatever you want to say over there, and there's no repercussions. Like we can't. There's no. Firstly, there's no way I'd do that anyway. Even if deep down, I was 100% feeling like, oh, some of my teammates let me down. There's no way you go out and say it on record because it's just wrong. Yeah. You don't do that. It just shows yeah. the. To me, to me, I tell you what it was. It showed. It shows how desperate he was to win the MVP more so than actually winning the the um, finals. And I feel like yeah, a true. lot of that happens over there because, you yeah. know, he played some unbelievable basketball and the fact that he had a drop-off of pretty much 10 points from the regular season to the playoffs where I, no doubt if you look at Jimmy Butler, it's going the other way. Yeah. Uh, that's why, yeah, I, I just feel like even now, like, like I think James Harden's looking to leave. Like the, the mm. I don't think the culture has been that great at the 76ers for quite some time. Like I don't, you know, Embiid obviously runs the show. He's got his MVP now. Does it change the look of the the whole thing? Um, you know, is the coach still there? Is Harden still there? What mm. there's going to be a lot of change, I reckon, through that place and th- that organization. So it's an interesting one moving forward. Yeah, and a little couple more little facts on Embiid. He He's the only MVP in the history without a conference finals appearance. And obviously, he's <laughs> um, he only just won the MVP, but still. And the last four MVPs, so Giannis, Jokic, back-to-back, and Embiid, failed to reach the conference finals. So it just makes me laugh because, you know, this is where I feel like it's different. We in the AFL, there's not many players. I mean, there's obviously players out there that obviously care about themselves, but largely 95% of the players just want to win. Win, win, mm. um you know, win the championship. I just, or the premiership here, where in the NBA, in the NFL, or in the NBA in particular, a lot of it is, oh, I want to be the MVP. Once I win the MVP, it's just there. Uh, all good. Which I just don't agree with. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm satisfied. Well, That's it. You know, and you know what? I hope that he wasn't injured. Sorry. I hope that he wasn't, yeah, injured and we're, you know, putting, not that he would care what we think because he wouldn't even listen to this, but obviously, but. You know, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't. I don't, don't want to heap all this, like essentially just ridiculing him for performing badly. But he was injured. But it didn't look like he was injured. It just looked, just looked like he just was not playing good enough. And his team. And as you said, there's clearly something going on with the 76ers because every year in the last five six years they've been able to be one of the top three seeds in the in the East and ultimately bow out in in a terrible fashion. You know, I think back to when they lost to Toronto and Kawhi Leonard in that game seven where they hit that buzzer beater where Jimmy Butler was actually on the team for Philly. So, um, yeah, there's got to be changes there. Mm. Moving on to the other series, uh, LeBron obviously took down the Warriors. Pretty lucky that we get to watch someone like him. Um, he's not going to be around for much longer, but mate, he's he's still flying and it's just incredible to watch. Um, what he's mm. still been able to achieve um, in that Lakers team, but they're mate, they're. I don't think they're going to be uh, a pushover for the Nuggets. No. I think they're going to no. be definitely pretty challenging. Well, I definitely think at home they will be. I think um, you know it, it's, it seems quite intimidating um, for opposition teams playing at, at Staples Center, if that's what it's still called. I don't know if it's rebranded, but um, at yeah, Crypto dot com Arena. Is that it? Oh, for, some, for some reason, I knew That's it was it. something else. Yeah. Well, there you go. Obviously, you know, because you'd be right into your crypto. <laughs> yeah, <mate>. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, no, I think I um, I think they'll be hard to beat at home. If they can pinch one in Denver in the first two games, 
And then it's look out, look out, look at Lakers. The fact that LeBron, you know, is still on that roster, I would argue that he's the most valuable player on that team. I don't think he is. I think, I genuinely think Anthony Davis has been the best player on both ends of the floor for them, um, you know, in the series. And matter of fact, if they end up making the finals uh, and they win, I wouldn't be surprised if AD's playing the way that he is, that he wins finals MVP. Um, that's just how well he's playing. Um, but the fact LeBron's still able to get it done and, and score the way that he does, yeah. I um, you know, we're we're privileged to watch this guy. He's he's a true, true megastar, not a superstar. This guy's a megastar. And I um I personally think Denver will win, but again, if I'm saying Denver, the Lakers will win. Yeah. Well, don't say that, mate, because I've got Denver to take out the uh the whole <laughs> thing. But did you see what um the Lakers coach had to say when they when they were talking about Denver and they asked what their plan is for for Jokic and he's he just quoted saying, "Catch him coming out of his house and kidnap him." <laughs> <laughs> Darwin Ham, that's uh, he he um he played on he played on LeBron in the Detroit versus Cleveland series twenty years ago, and now he's obviously coaching him in this series, which which must be like pinch yourself moments for coaches and whatnot that have actually coached against or played against LeBron and and these superstars, and now they get to coach him would be pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, what about speaking of coaches? Suns obviously sacked their coach. I think it's mm. and he's got one of the best records of the last few years. I'm fairly sure, hasn't he? And I feel like yep. that there's been out of the last five. Correct me if I'm wrong. You'd know this. Out of the last five champions, um, NBA championships, four of the coaches have been sacked, and the only one that hasn't is Steve Kerr. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah, it's something like that. Yep. Ridiculous. Um, it's unbelievable. Monty, Monty Williams, who's a gun. Yep. Monty Williams has had two of the best um, historic seasons for the Phoenix in the history of their, of their, you know, being around. And the fact that they just sack him. And now that there's reports that he's potentially going to go to Milwaukee. So Giannis wow. is chasing him and because um, he knows the ability that he has. And that all started way back in the hub, uh, in the bubble mm. when – when they had the bubble, um, you know, NBA and Phoenix didn't ultimately make the play-in, but they won every game in the bubble and that was Monty Williams coaching them and that's where it's kind of, you know, bled up to 221-22 and obviously now. Um, I just feel like it's extremely, extremely unfair and just rubbish that you could just do that to someone who's had two unreal years and, you know, to me it's the um, the GM that's got it wrong with the players that they've brought in. There's no depth. You know, 95, did you know this? 95% of their salary or something ridiculous like that is getting paid to four players. So Booker, wow. Aiton, Chris Paul, and KD are getting paid like 95% of the salary. So you talk about bench depth and teams that win championships, it's because their roster goes deep. Phoenix literally outside of those four had absolutely no one. So it's no wonder they don't get yeah. it wrong. Oh, get it right. You can't blame the coach for that. No, definitely not. Did you see um, Devin Booker <laughs> tweeted 36 unbothered? Did you see that? What's yeah, that? What, is, what is that? What's he me? trying to I, mean? I don't know. What does that mean? Does that mean how much, how is much he money talking he's about? Getting? Is he talking about the coach? I don't know. So for me, I, I just saw a thing. It was like, 35 plus one, so KD and him are unbothered. That's what I saw. I thought it was getting he's getting paid 36 milli every year and he's not caring about what, what what's <laughs> happening. 36 <laughs> milli and he's, uh, he's doing whatever he wants. That would be incredible if that was the case. Ja Morant, mate, oh. flashing guns again. What's the, what's the, what are you giving him as a punishment? 
I reckon, I honestly reckon you've got to suspend him for the year. Honestly, yeah. honestly. Jeez. Like, oh, it, it's just the fact that he's done it before and he came out and said he needs to be better. He's a role model. It won't happen again. And then, oh, mate. And you just wonder the people that you're hanging out with, you know, for a life lesson or lessons for, you know, some of our young kids that are listening to our potty. One of the lessons I was taught was you hang out with the people who have your back and who care for your best interests and not about what's happening in the world. And and from the looks of things and what it seems like is people that he's with do not have his best interests. So make sure you surround yourself with good people. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, it is ridiculous. But uh, is there anything else, mate, NBA-wise that you wanted to touch on before moving nah, on? Nah, just uh, I cannot wait for a week's time to see um, to see where we're at and – you know, I would have I would have done probably another three to four NFL fantasy drafts by that stage. I've already done about ten, <laughs> and the season's about six six months away. So can't wait. Yeah, looking forward to that too, mate. But uh, now we've just got a little one uh, that we're both very excited about. It's another we're going to do another giveaway. So um, we're looking for all our supporters out there, our listeners. Uh, we want to get one thousand five star ratings on Spotify and Apple. And Adzi and I are going to organise a signed Guernsey to go out to potentially two people. Um, so if we can uh, get everyone to head to Spotify and Apple, type in Oz American Aces, rate our show. Obviously, ideally, it's five stars. If you think it's less, then give us some feedback on maybe our Insta DMs <laughs> or something. But uh, yeah, rate it five stars. When we see it's at 1,000, we're going to launch our next giveaway. So stay tuned. Uh, hopefully, we can get the 1,000 ratings and uh, we look forward to obviously all really excited as I touched on to to give out a couple of signed team Guernseys. So, um, yeah, look forward to that, mate. But thanks again, mate. It's been another good week of obviously chatting to Yadzi. We're obviously, you know, plugging along and, and enjoying every second of our podcast. And, um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a nice one today and looking forward to next week already. No, thanks, mate. I am too. Um, just, again, want to reiterate, making sure everyone jumps on, go real hard. Um, you know, like our uh, like our potties, we love doing this for our fans. We obviously got some great feedback from the giveaway we did for our for our boots, and um, you know, one of the enjoyments that you and I get out of doing this podcast is is the feedback that we do get, and you know, largely it's positive. And um, you know, if there is areas for improvement, send it through. Let us know. Um, you know, we love the fact that we're able to um, you know have an impact in people's lives and, and they send in some really nice things and, and the fact that we can just give away stuff and sign stuff for you it's something that we love doing and appreciate doing and it's the reason why we are in the in the podcast game so make sure you know if you do want to listen jump onto the Oz American Aces and all our channels YouTube channels whatever it may be Spotify Apple support us um, keep listening we love it and uh, we love uh, you know releasing episodes for you um, but as you said mate been a great episode I am already can't wait for next week Beautiful, mate. Well, thanks everyone again for listening. Um, as we always say, uh, jump on and subscribe and, and watch all that, tune into all our channels because uh, we look forward to obviously doing this every week and, and hope you do too. So thanks everyone again and thanks, Adzi. Look forward to talking to you soon, mate. Cheers, mate.